Alright everybody, welcome to episode 32 of NPC Talk, part 2 of episode 1 of NPC Game Club. Um, today is January 12th, 2016, and yeah, I think that's it, so we're gonna jump right into it. Enjoy guys. Oh, and um, so you know how you go down to the basement as Neil? And stuff, and then you take the broom and you go back up after you hear some noise and you see like footprints leading towards the elevator and stuff. Yes. And then Neil goes, um, but but the door was locked, is what he says. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the elevator comes down, and then Eva is there, and then you you whack her in the face with the broom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that part was really funny. There you are. <laughs> <clears throat> I was wondering if there was an option not to whack her in the face. Because I just I instinctively, right? I was just like, oh, press. Yeah, exactly. Swing broom. And then it's like, you see Eva. I was like, I'm swinging that broom. Um, I didn't swing. It swung for me. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't swing. No player agency. Mini episode two is not a game. <laughs> huh. Okay. Here, here is a. So. Going back to Dr. Ro- Roxanne Winters, you know how I've mentioned like she picked or Eva called her and he was like, oh, I didn't call you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I got it slightly wrong. Um, Neil runs into her in the hallway. Right. After, after you hit her with the broom, after you hit Eva with the broom, she's sitting in the lounge recovering. Uh, Neil walks out to the hallway. She runs into Roxanne. And Roxanne's like, oh, I was picking out at home. And then uh, Eva called me to pick her up. And then Neil says, oh, that's weird because Eva's already here. And that's the end of like that whole thread. And then the, the two kids interrupt them. So Neil never pursues huh. like line of thinking. Like, wait, why would, why would Eva need a pickup if she's already at the office, but I... What? Right. Okay. I I might I might just go and replay it just to catch some of those little things that I missed. Okay. Um. um so I want to talk about Neil's little side project going on in his office. Oh, go for it. What's going on there? So like, so this project is definitely for Neil himself. Uh-huh. And it's it's for what. As far as I know, it's a memory machine. Well, it's the same machine that they use. Yeah, and so he's using it for himself. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then you see the ending with with Eva mm, in the machine, and I'm like, what? yeah, I I I thought the exact same thing. So Neo is working on something that takes one person. Mm-hmm. Right, and then uh-huh. you see Eva with the machine, and she's all by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems to imply that there might be some sort of uh, chronological thing going on here. Like, um, we should be trying to imply that one is before or after the other. Um, it seems like, if anything, to me, that. Eva might be revisiting the memories. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I, I, I'm not going to say that yet. 
Um, well, on that line, someone... I'm, I'm on the... Uh, sorry, just to finish my thought. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking at... I, so I did a YouTube video of the mini episode number two. Uh-huh. I just paused at the exact moment where it shows Eva's little flickering thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And some interesting things... Okay, th- th- this video is not particularly good quality. <laughs> but, but she's definitely by herself. Yep, right? yep. Lights in the room are out. She's not in her lab uniform. Um, I just sent a high quality... Oh really? Yes. Okay. The, the machine with the uh, with the uh, interface is right next to her, uh-huh. or it's on the table next to her. This might be the same one that I was watching. It's decently high quality. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. No, this is better. Okay, and then you, I think you see bottles of wine next to her. Oh, good catch. So you wanted to look around. Uh... Three 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 three. <gasps> what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I I meant three 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 six, which is when she opens her eyes. Also. Oh yeah, she does open her eyes. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, dimly lit room. That's a good you catch. Don't, you don't see anyone, although there is a couch towards the bottom of the screen. Right. So right? someone it, could yeah, be sitting there. Someone could potentially be there. Like it's hard to tell. Um, but you see the machine there, and it it makes it look like she's all by herself, especially given that the room is dark and the fact that there are uh, what looks like a bottle of bottles of wine next to her. Interesting. That the, the couch is a really good point. Okay. So, so one of the running theories is that it's one of the doctors visiting the memories of the other doctor. Yes. Right. For example, I think the one that I read the most is Eva is visiting Neil's memories. That would make the most sense, given everything we've seen so far. Right, because there are two Evas, right? So you'd have memory-reconstructed Eva, and you have real Eva who's running around and potentially either forgetting to make herself invisible or dropping visibility invisibility yeah, I, right? either intentionally or unintentionally ends up revealing herself right right it may be that maybe she uses neil's credentials or something somehow by picking up like an item right mm-hmm. and then going to the generator to shut it off so that he like goes down or something for whatever reason right. um and the fact that you see eva's eyes open in the flickering scene which suggests that she is not the patient um, though it is okay. a little weird because she is not in her work uniform. Right. So hold on. So while you guys are, well, I think it's what Ben was talking about. Um, that's when both of you were talking about what like Neil's machine was doing. I was sitting here thinking about the last scene. And I was like, right, but there's no one else there. And we know Neil's working on essentially rewriting, being able to use a machine solo, right? So well, we don't. That that that's speculation, right? right. We don't you know, know exactly what it is he's working and, on. And we're but speculating it's something that something that he may be able to do just on his own. Right. We speculate that because it seems Neil has something he's unhappy about, right? It's hinted at it's more than hinted at, it's pretty much blatant that he's on uncertain terms with someone his family. His family. Right. Mm-hmm. And he could be working on the machine to as like a kind of, I think, dead end hope that somehow rewriting his own memory will allow him to move past whatever is preventing him from going back to talking or going back to his family. In any case, 
So he's working on a machine that you can use solo on your own at memories. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, actually. sorry, actually, actually, I'll, I'll interject here and I'll say I thought what was more interesting is not so much the fact that he's doing it solo, which is interesting, but the more interesting part is that he's doing it. He seems to be doing it when he is not dying, like on right. his deathbed. Right. Right. So he would be going into the machine and then waking back up. Right. With potentially, or I guess ideally in his case, modified memories. Right. Though we don't know whether it like worked or not. It could have been that he tried it, but then he wasn't able to get it or something. So he's like fiddling with it to make it work. Right. Right. We also know Neil is suffering some kind of disease, painful disease. Yes. Right? Was so, that was that apparent in the minisodes? It was apparent in the To the Moon. Right. It's apparent right. at the end of To the Moon. Right? right. So we're we're treating now. We're going through the whole thing now. Basically, what's the overarching story? Now, if Eva's in a room by herself, like truly by herself, no one behind the couch, right? It would mean she is potentially modifying her own memories. It could be that oh Neil never recovers or like he dies or something, right? And she's potentially suffering from guilt and she's trying to rewrite her own memory to in her mind she did things for Neil that provided him solace. You know what's interesting? I just noticed again. So I'm looking at this screenshot three 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 six. Uh-huh. I'm there as well. And if she were alone, why doesn't she have the machine interface thing pointed towards her? Good question. I don't know if you need that pointed at you. Well, but they're like, why, on it, though. why would you set it up next to this couch? Like you see it distinctly on the rug, right? Mm-hmm. But then she's sitting across from it on the other little single seat sofa thing. So it implies that someone else has set up the machine and is using the machine to go in. So well, she it, would be the patient. Well, it just makes the scene seem a little weird. Well, not necessarily that she's the patient, because if she were the patient, she would most likely be the one lying down, right? So it well, could well, be that... It, I mean, it seems right that this is something that is devised by Watts, by Neil, right? Something either... The, the setup is devised yeah, by Yeah, yeah, the setup by me. Yeah. So either the, the significance is the fact that you can go in on your own, maybe to your own memories, or the fact that it does something else when you are not on your deathbed. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's something that they all know, right? Like, who's to say that you can't just use it right now as is without being on your deathbed? I think they can. I think, I think there is one thing that the doctors during their party explicitly said, not well, not explicitly, but they mentioned, oh, we only use it on people who are about to die anyway. Right. I think that was actually mentioned, suggesting I, I, that a machine is usable on people prior to death. Which would make sense given the protests and stuff, right? right? It could be that people don't like the idea of, you know, people being able to kind of mess with their own brains a little bit, yeah. right? Um, I think Neil's working on a solo implementation, so now you don't even need a driver. Right. So, um, but with with this scene in particular where it flickers and stuff, it could just be for the dramatic effect where Eva is sitting smack dab in the middle of the room and stuff. But I do think it a little odd that the equipment is a little is a little removed from her vicinity. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to point out. I mean, if she is implementing 
Neil's technology on herself. I think that makes the story pretty interesting and pretty dark. Well, yeah. Who knows what Neil was exactly working on? Okay, so... so I also like it just her visiting Neil's memories. That's fun, too. Yeah, in, in To the Moon, if you're the dude with the helmet on, it means that other people will see your memories, right? Well, if you're the patient, I think I don't know if all the, the helmets differ. Um, it could just be a, a switch or something, right? This is the patient, and but, yeah, like, it's not. Neil and Ava didn't wear a helmet in an episode. They did. Yeah, they did. They oh, did. they did. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think it's pretty interesting if because I think I do think that we're visiting Neil's memory. I mean, can't be sure, but um, I believe we're visiting Neil's memory, which would imply that either if if Neil is passed away at the end point, 3336, that would mean that Neil had to have recorded his memories, which is what he was working on, possibly. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, hmm. or, or, or somehow he can work remotely, but that's less interesting. I think he recorded his memories, which means that he wanted whoever from the future after he dies to know something that he knew before. Ooh, but not necessarily to affect his memory. Well, because he's dead. Because he's dead. That's interesting. So, so more, more uh, like, a, more like a, like a death, like a dying death, note, death will, or like a not death note. <laughs> Don't a, a, as I lie what? down, as I lie dying, here is something that I wanted to get off my chest, kind of thing. Yeah, or maybe like yeah, maybe like a Sigmund Corporation secret or something. So, so you think these uh, this like double Eva thing is a red herring then? No, I think it it shows that Eva is inside Neil's memory. Because it it seems like the only reason that the Christmas it well based on the, the events of episode two mini so two the driver for this party that Neil has at the office with everyone else is potentially Ghost Eva, who is who would be real Eva and not memory Eva, right? So if it's Eva visiting Neil's memories, this would be her trying to enact some kind of change mm. on the memories, right? Now yeah. if it was Neil's like dying will and he just says, Know this then there wouldn't be any reason for her to enact change unless it's like out of guilt and she wants to do it so she knows that he she did something even if he's dead right so the alternative would be that he's dying and she's trying to basically implant happier times into his past where he may be very alone and is dying alone and she's like oh no you didn't die alone look at how many people are with you till the end or like how many people loved you and spent time with you while you were alive or it's like it seems like if anything it might be that his okay so it's probably safe to assume that like the last patient or whatever is gonna be neil watts right or at the very least we know that neil watts is sick and possibly dying. yes yes um so if it is the case that um he goes through this whole process thing and she becomes the person to do it that his regret um which has been made apparent in episode two is that he has lost touch with his family i mean mini so too right 
yeah. rare in Minisode 2. So I um, just says how like this party kind of helped him push to at least give them a call, you know? Yeah, open him up. Yeah, so I think that might have been part of the process. So this may be just a little bit of foreshadowing or things that we're going to see in the future. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if, say, in, like, episode five, that we control the the ghost Eva that we see, and we accidentally go into the road, and then we yeah, see yeah. Past Eva sees her. You have to go and take his credentials and then go down and shut down the generator. Yeah, people definitely um, mentioned that possibility. And yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That all seems... To make sense, I think, uh, especially because we see Ghost Eva and not Ghost Neil, right? This is true. Uh, which right. makes it more likely that Eva is the one who is traversing the memories of the other right. person, i.e., Neil. Now, that doesn't discount the possibility that Eva is visiting her own memories in an attempt to reconfigure yes. her memories of how her interactions with Neil were. Mm. Yes, yes. Which, right. which is why I thought that Chris's potential theory was interesting. Because it yeah. could be that, you know, oh, here's my perspective, um, you know, which she can kind of, she gets to kind of traverse through as she goes through her own memories, you know, and kind of like puts them together. Um, but uh, it is a bit of a speculation. And I, I don't know how much grounds there are to support this side. I think it's uh, I think they both have foreshadowing, right? There's a foreshadowing of the old doctor. He mentions to Eva, "Oh, I'll be, I'll be glad to put my my time on your in your hands." Right, right, right. 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 So that suggests, you know, it's, maybe that's what happens at the very last episode when Neil is the patient. Right. But also, the protest outside could foreshadow the idea that technically you could use this technology on anyone, and it would allow you to erase what essentially was reality. Mm. Oh, maybe maybe it has happened before. And and something something uh something uh, unfortunate happened as a result of it. That's not a, that's pretty that's a, that could be that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. So maybe like someone someone did it Try and it. it kind of, you know, it messed with their sense of what was actually real. Or someone might have done it with a doctor and then that's why now they're only allowed to, or that's why they only do it on dying people because it won't actually alter interactions. Right. And then right. Neil's like, oh, but I want to fix this thing in my life. So he's trying to devise a device that works solo. Right. Since no doctor would ever consent to right. him anymore. Or like someone, they did it on a patient who they thought was going to die and he ended up not dying. Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> Right, um, right. So, say we go with the theory that Ava is in Neil's memory and Neil's dying. Um, why do you think Neil would need his own machine just to prepare for his death? Why he would need his own machine? No, I um... think he's still using his own machine because that's what he did during his life. That he tried to make his own machine to modify his own memories. Whether or not it worked or not, becomes fairly irrelevant if it was Eva visiting his memories. I see, I see. Interesting. Which might lend more support for the idea that it does work. I don't know. I can actually, you can swing it both ways still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, nerd chills. I mean, this is like, this is, I mean, I'll be honest. 
first story, it was like, you know, it was fine. You know, artistically interesting. Sure, sure. Then I played Minisos, and, and by the end of Minisos 2, I was like, oh my gosh, this hype is real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that episode 2 really gets you, I think. Um, I think that's what they did really well with that. They it, it, it focuses on the bigger picture. Yes. Right? And it's it's definitely not standalone in that, like, well, b- because it's free, that's okay. Right? If it wasn't free, then it's like, what the heck? Right? Um, but because it's free, it feels like a service to the uh, to the fans of the series. So you get to see more of things that you don't necessarily need to know, but it definitely adds to your to your um, enjoyment of the larger picture. I actually don't know if this is on a need-to-know basis. If The Last Patient really is Neil... Well, you could go through the entire... Well, okay, let's assume there's like three, four, five games or something like that, right? Sure. And you don't play any of the mini-episodes. And then towards the end, given only the things you experienced from the main episodes, you find out, oh, Neil is going to be the last patient. I think you could probably make that reasonable assumption. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah, you're right. I I think you're right. You don't need this mini-episode. Are the minisodes free? Yeah. Oh. Part of the To the Moon purchase. Right, which is why I was a little disappointed with the bird story being a paid thing. Mm. It kind of has like a amusing aside. What if it was flipped? What if a bird story was free DLC, and what if the mini episodes, both of them, were packaged together and cost you two dollars? That that seems a little more um, hard to believe, given that the uh, mini episodes are um, are sequel like. Well, wouldn't it be closer to like the episodic nature of, say, a lot of Telltale games? No. No? Because the Telltale game episodes, the, each episode has its own sort of little contained arc. Right? Oh, does it? I, this is my ignorance speaking, since I have not played an actual episodic game. Yeah. To me, it, the episodic game, you want to play it as episodes one through five. Well, no, you do. I'm just saying that, like, in and of itself is like a complete little mini 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 story. I do not know that. I'm gonna buy a bunch of ep- random episodes now just to. Uh... No, no, I'm not saying you you can play them out of order or that you can just play one episode and not play the rest. What? I'm just saying, like, okay, say say for example, you buy the the Walking Dead, ep- whatever season ten, right? And then it's like the first episode is like, oh, we're at the we're at the mall, right? Stuff happens. Cliffhanger. And then episode two is like you you do make it out of the mall and now you're in a park, you know? And then you end up in uh, some suburban neighborhood. Episode three, it's like, oh, you're trying to stay in this suburban neighborhood. Stuff happens. Now you have to leave. Where are you going to go? Cliffhanger. Episode four. Like, okay, now we have to make our way over to uh, the downtown area. It, it's like that. You know what I mean? Like this... The setting and stuff and the, the sort of small story arc thing is kind of contained within one episode. Really, but, like yeah, you're right. So like but, the actual episodic division of yeah, the so it, it's a good it's a good division, just like how like a, an episode of some TV, TV show is like a you know it, it's an episode in and of itself. Yeah, that's that's okay. not to say you shouldn't watch the rest of it, but you you get a sense of. You're like right. The, the, the mini cells yeah. aren't strong enough to stand alone. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah. A bird story was definitely self-contained. 
right? The yeah, mini episodes, right. I don't think they were. You're right. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of bird story being paid, if it were five dollars, I'd be upset. And yeah. I, I know it's five dollars like normally, but we paid what a dollar seventy five. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, we made I'm the okay with that. right decision. I, I think if it were a dollar, it would have been just just right. Yeah, I agree. A dollar for an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. Hold on, that's not what movie theaters charge. Well, this isn't a movie. This, let's not compare the production value and cost of a movie versus this game. I also don't go to movies. I actually do do that. So that might be another topic we should talk about. Price of games. Price per hour, games. yeah. Wait, I definitely wait. do price per hour. There's a difference between price and cost. Explain. Yes. A movie movie costs a certain amount to, pr- to make it. Oh, uh, sure. Production-wise. Right? Sure. And you distribute and sell it at a certain price. For the consumer, uh huh. Right. So a movie costs. Okay. So there have been or... some low budget ones, but let's say it's it's in the range of millions, right? A bird yeah. story did not cost millions of dollars to make. I guess, like as a person who, okay, all right. So you're you're factoring in uh, objective <laughs> cost of production. Yeah, I mean, for for most things, you should assume that I'm kind of seeing it as a trying to be as objective. Yeah, neutral, sort of objective, and if you will, maybe like technical as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we talked about this before too, where we were talking about the um, um, oh my god, words are escaping uh-huh, me. Uh-huh. Use your English. You can do it. I think I definitely oh see forms of entertainment as like a subjective how much I enjoyed it to how much I paid for it. So I definitely see things in terms of a subjective cost, not the objective cost of production. So well, no, I, I don't I don't disagree with you that. I don't disagree with you on that point, but then if you were to try to compare objectively like the cost to price of a movie versus the cost to price of what it took to make a bird story, that's a little bit weird. I, I agree, but the I scale think scale is very different. But it's it to me, it comes down to uh, personal cost. Was it worth my time and money? Sure, okay. right. and that's, and so that's, that's right. fine. And I'm saying, like, as someone who doesn't really care about movies, doesn't watch movies. Like the fact that I paid a dollar seventy four for an hour's worth of entertainment is hugely worth more than paying whatever it costs to go watch a movie for two hours nowadays. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not necessarily saying that a dollar seventy four feels wrong, or like that I've been gypped somehow. Um, I think if it were a dollar, all I'm saying is that I would have, I would not have thought that this was an issue. Yeah, I think it's definitely the starting price point yeah, seems the, high. That, that it's that it's sold for five dollars original. Mm. Uh, yeah, especially since we compare it to other games that have. Right. I mean, like I bought I bought Tomb Raider on sale for I think four dollars or something like that. Did you buy for four? I think it was four dollars. Oh gosh, what a score! So that I think that may be one of my um, best like, purchases. Highest well, not not necessarily best purchase, but like the best like entertainment per dollar value. 
Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I bought it for three ninety nine on that's sale. Totally worth it. Um, Chris, if you get a chance to ever buy it and play it, the new Tomb Raider. No, no, just yeah. the, the origin. Well, the the new Tomb Raider is slated for January twenty sixteen release. The Rise but, of Tomb Raider is January. I think he's talking about the new Tomb Raider series, right? Right, not like the yeah. old school one. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right. The the newest one that came out. Right, right, right. For PC, right, not yes. to be confused with its incoming sequel. Right, the, sec- the second game of the trilogy, which is coming out sometime shortly. Q1 yeah, for PC. It's out for Xbox, I believe, and has been getting uh, pretty good, pretty good reviews. Yeah. I'm excited uh, yeah, to uh, that play it in, in a year and a half when it's yeah. It's, you know, so never get around to it. A little, a little off topic, but we're now that, off topic already. Well, now that we're talking about like the whole price per um, entertainment value thing, which I think is an important scale. For your yeah. own personal whatever, I'm I'm actually surprised that movies aren't on a more dynamic basis per movie. Mm. I think that's a, I think that's a that's capitalism. It's a remnant of the way <laughs> that the movie industry is structured. Yeah, I agree. I think we're it's simply too controlled by this pipeline of movie production to selling it to movie theaters to standard pricing. Uh, well, okay. The, the, the way, okay. So this is, I guess my sort of opinion and take on it and stuff, but it has to do with the distribution chain. Sorry. Right. That's what I, that's what I meant. Distribution right. chain. Perfect. So for, for, for movies, it's, it's a, it's a much, uh, bigger ordeal because of the format which which you must distribute it to the uh, supplier in some sense you can consider the the cinemas right the movie theaters yes um, you right. need to deliver hard copies um, I, I think that may not necessarily be the case but um, for some high end movies especially like IMAX movies and whatever you have to deliver in a very specific uh, format mm-hmm. um, whereas these you know games in comparison are are, are not that much. I mean, especially if we're talking only on the scale of like To the Moon or like other indie games and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're only talking about maybe a maybe a few gigs at max, right? Um, that's that's like nothing. That's true. Um, and given the rise of uh, digital distribution platforms like Steam or I think there might be some others in like Origin or whatever, that's become a lot easier um, for developers to do. Well, Austin and I, we've, we've talked about this a little bit with the rise of the whole indie developer scene and stuff, which mm-hmm. is kind of a result of <laughs> the uh, low barrier of entry due to ease of access to a distribution channel. Yeah, digital distribution. Right. Yeah. And you can do it independently too now. Right. So like I could I could create some game. Set up a PayPal go, account. Yeah, and go to Valve with it and then you know try to get it up on available on Steam, distributed to the masses that way, and then I don't have to worry a thing about distribution, right? I only have to worry about talking with, getting in touch with Valve. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly how the process works, but I'm, I'm sort of summarizing, generalizing it. But that's not the case for movies, right? Yeah, you I need, agree. Like, not everyone can afford a big screen, right, and with lots of seats and things like that. So that the distribution um, efforts involved with uh, movies is definitely a bit different and I, mean, I think it's on a much much grander scale and we can definitely see it as there is digital distribution for movies and shows right we yeah call there it, is right? there is but yeah. it just doesn't have the same marketing effect as 
having yeah. done in an actual physical movie theater space. Yeah. So and that that you're that's right. kind of capitalism at work, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a distribution chain. This sells, and then people people are willing to pay money for it, right? And then several months later, they release the DVD slash Blu-ray edition or whatever have you. Um, more money. Uh, what is it? Depending on like how the sales of the tickets were and things like that and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's it's a little hard to it's it's like a, it's apples and oranges, right? If, when we're trying to compare these different media formats, um, mm-hmm. but I think more and more, it's starting to. It's it's getting a bit more easier to talk about them in comparison. I feel just like how um, we were having a little trouble comparing choose your own adventure books, for example, with a video game. Mm-hmm. Right? Where exactly is the line? Is there even a line? Is it just kind of a like a you know a grayish sort of area in between? Yeah, maybe. You know, so like because we can you can imagine say um, I don't know The Last of Us or Metal Gear Solid series or something that's say somehow they have the connections to release it to theaters, right? And it's completely in the format of a movie or, you know, a cinematic production instead of it being interactive. So they take out, they strip the interactive portions of it. It's a, you know, computer digitally produced uh, cinematic production. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening, right? Yeah, I guess see yeah. um, So the lines are definitely, I think, getting a bit more blurry with with the uh, advancement in digital technology and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've, we've definitely strayed far from our original topic. <laughs> yep. Which is fine. This is the serious talk portion of Game Club. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking um, just out of uh, since, since we call our board game nights uh, game, game Time. Game time. I've just been calling it game uh, game talk, and this portion, which we do at the, so we should do game game talk. So we should figure out what game is next for next game talk. And I think Spec Ops is currently Spec Ops the line, yeah, which is a good one. But we should do it this way: we should have game talk, and at a certain point, we devolve into tangents, <laughs> and then we go into a new segment called real talk, where we talk <laughs> about the real world and how things are done in the real world. <laughs> Bring in a, a, a panel of experts. Yeah, uh, we need a panel <laughs> of experts on how movies are distributed and how digital media is changing the face of the distribution pipeline. <laughs> real that, talk. That was this, this week on Real Talk. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah. High hopes, Austin. High hopes. I mean, obviously, we're going to keep talking about Minnesota. Uh, to until especially once like Binding Paradise is on the horizon uh, it, it, I'm guessing it'll be like Q1 I right? hope it's Q1 I mean I, I don't think I, they would release a teaser um, unless it was some somewhere near near the near future you mean a bird story in general or you mean the Twitter post no the the picture yeah the screenshots of the episode yeah. the yeah. next episode coming up I know Game Talk got me hyped though for episode 2 uh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm I'm definitely like in engaged with the series. I was like involved. No, I'm not involved. Yeah, definitely engaged I, with the series. I think so. Um, oh, so, uh, something I just remembered. You know, you know, we've talked about how how the uh, that the pixel 
graphics, uh, how it how that actually works better for the game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which I agree. Um, so then I actually thought about it, like, so let's pretend that this was for whatever reason a much much bigger uh, development effort. Uh-huh. They, they had a much uh, bigger financial backing behind them. Let's say they had like a they had a different engine to work with. You mean for the whole series or for a bird story specific? Well, let's just, let's just talk about To the Moon. Okay. So let's say they're working with a different engine and not uh-huh. RPG Maker. Mm-hmm. Would that is there a different uh, format of the the graphics and the style and stuff that would have worked even better than the uh, the RPG Maker six uh, pixel graphics? Um, and I was thinking, if it were Something like um, you know, I haven't played it, but uh, Val, was it Valkyria? Valkyria Chronicles. Chronicles is that the one with the tank, uh-huh. tank screenshot? Yeah. Uh-huh. So you know that like kind of shell shaded uh, comic anime like graphics. Uh-huh. I can see that definitely working for Tudor Moon. I'm not sure. I feel like the the pixel art gives it a childlike charm to it, which I think, given the like the content of to the moon how you're basically like his childhood was immensely important yeah right? i feel like the the pixel art with interspersed with the actual like cartoon drawings right? not anime style but just like it looks like a kid's drawing like it's like very fairly straightforward uh... art i think that works really well i like i like the style as what it is i can't act it okay, like hyper realistic graphics would definitely not. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I don't think I'm like, not having sure. this game run on Unreal Engine or something will work. Yeah. In a way, I feel like the pixel art leaves a lot for imagination, which that's that's true. Ends up helping a lot for like this kind of for like kind of what has like a either maybe it's. It goes both ways. Maybe the graphics inspire this feeling rather than the narrative itself has this feeling and thus benefits from pixelized art. Um, a kind of like a fairy tale kind of style. Like it's it's a it's like reading a book. It's like reading a fairy tale. It's yes, like a... yes, that that's that's what I was waiting for. It's like reading a book, right? Because the features of the characters are nondescript and you see them as pixels, you don't necessarily associate them with a certain look. You associate them with a certain personality. Yeah, um, which is akin to how you how you uh, perceive characters in a book. Yeah, um, and I oh yeah okay so I I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think that's enough of an argument to win me over. So yeah, sure. I think definitely. I cannot then think of a different format or engine or whatever graphic style that would have worked better for the game. I can ASCII art. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, so I was, I was thinking about um, into the moon, the scene where uh, the brother gets run over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, well, say the game was for like PS4, and they and they use like crazy good 3D graphics and stuff. In one sense, it's you'll you'll get a better depiction of what happened. That's mm-hmm. true because it'll be I can a th- see that I can see that. I yeah. think that really works for like horrifying scenes. For example, if you guys ever get a chance to play, uh, there's a horror game that came out 
the last few months that caused quite a stir. The one with all the like the multiple yeah. Um, I forget. Uh, what it was Soma. No, 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 no. no. The, the one with the amazing hyper with the actors. Yeah, the one with the eight kids who go up the mountain and then. Uh, oh. There's oh. A, it's it's. I think it's PS4 exclusive. Um, yeah, I think so too. I I, I, I watched the I watched the gameplay as like a let's play thing. It's really good. Um, so I can see like hyper realistic graphics being amazing for like horrifying experiences or very graphic experiences, such as like the brother getting hit with the car. I don't think anything in between would work for that. But for the rest of the game, I can't imagine it working quite as well with like that level of detail. Right, and so, it's, especially because yeah, the ahead. things in memory having the having the kind of generic graphic style, I think helps with the fact that you're not supposed to have you know perfect sure yeah i think it would be actually interesting to see it as like a hyper realistic game um just to see what what artistic choices would have to be made to maintain the same feel yeah i I, at at this it's something like this i i think i'll kind of bring up again i think it might um be worth mentioning an anime like feel so like steins gate comes to mind Right, so um, Science Gate's a good. good. I don't know if uh, you've watched Steinsgate, Chris. Have I did. you watched Steinsgate? You yep. have. Okay, so you know when the little girl accidentally, so he thinks he saved, I forget her name, the the, the girl in the bluish sky sure, bluish sure, dress. Sure, sure, the the girl um, always keeps dying. Yeah, <laughs> like he thinks he saved her, and they're at the subway platform, and the little girl runs up and accidentally trips and pushes her, and then she gets run over by the train. Uh huh. I can see that kind of feel working for the the scene where his brother gets run over by the car. Yeah, it isn't a lot of it's like just like not it's like showing reactions and not actually showing yeah. the thing, right? It, it doesn't it, it doesn't show the the actual like hit, for example, but it's implied. Yeah, right? I think you have to do that if you do one more anime art style with yeah, actual I'd, facial features. Yeah, I cannot see like it actually showing like a little boy being you know yeah and also like i don't think i don't think the game would benefit from being explicit with that scene because that's not the point right i mean it's the trauma that's important right Right. which which is more of the like back of your mind oh my gosh that happened and not like the oh well that's bloody and gross yeah to to that point though having better graphics and or anime type feel would be able to depict emotion a little better. I I agree. I think it would depict it in a more obvious way to the audience. True, 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 true. So I, I think there may be a middle ground here. So you know like how in the mini episode, like say for example where it shows Watts' Neo's recorder on the table, that was not in the pixelated graphics, right? It was like hand-drawn art. So I think if they had interspliced scenes like that with the game that could work right i mean so the, the only interactive scene- portions are like the pixel graphics but those kind of uh important scenes and stuff they kind of depict in a drawing art style uh, i mean hand, hand drawn with, art style. with that thinking there is one scene where they did have a hand-drawn art style and that's the scene with when uh johnny and river meet for the first time as mm. kids right? exactly and that's exactly. the only is that the only scene yeah it is Right. Uh, so, the only scene I remember. so if we're following with the idea that hand-drawn scenes are the most impactful ones, then that actually lends a lot of impact to the fact that a recorder is a hand-drawn scene. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Assuming that 
where right. we're giving the the creator is the benefit of doubt, where everything, uh, everything is intentional, nothing yeah. is forbidden. Wait, that's not how that phrase goes. Yeah, yeah. I I I distinctly remember it being odd that he was recording something, and that it specifically showed us that he was recording something. To be fair, it could just be oh, this he's trying to like he's having a change of heart. Right. Yeah, but, like it, the but superficial... it's weird that it would show it as a hand-drawn right. thing. So the superficial interpretation is just like, oh, look, Neil's having a change of heart, and he's opening up, and like he has things that make him happy. Maybe there is a deeper meaning to that. Or maybe they're just really trying to emphasize like this is one of the turning points in his life. Just like River and Johnny meeting on the log was a potential turning point that got ruined. Uh, I guess only time will tell. You know, 2016 is going to be a pretty pretty great year for games, I think, just like how... Oh, before I go too far, I did read one person write, maybe it's time travel about uh, To the Moon because of Ghost Evil and stuff, and I was like... Eh, hmm? I don't Wait, know. what? Someone, someone just like... I don't know. People were just speculating, right? Uh. And the fact that Evil is there in two different forms. Yeah. Someone wrote, maybe it's time travel in your comment of only time will tell. I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, to the moon turns into a time travel story. Yeah. No. I think if I think if anything, there might be so the flickering scene, I think, um, has two uh main possibilities, right? There may be some other ones that I'm not thinking of, but it's either one, like it's showing a foreshadowing of the future. Right, or or that case was in uh, the mini episode was part of like a later episode, wherein Eva dives into Neo's memories or something, or, her own. or this whole series of stories is a, you know, uh, the memory within the memory kind of like thing. It's a reconstruction, right? So maybe like Neo is uh, Eva is revisiting Neo's memories within within his memories. She has to go in. To the uh, memories where they're on the case with Johnny. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it could be like that sort of Inception-like thing. Um, though I think it might the mini episodes might have just been a foreshadowing of what's to come in the later episode. That that's my opinion, though. Yep, it's not a time travel story, but it is a time skip story. Time is involved. Uh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Time. Ah, travel time. mentally. Chrono. One may say Chrono Trigger. What? It's not the best game ever. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> start the fire! Ah. I, I am willing to fight on that point. Or fight for that point. We might just have a game club about like... Or, sorry, game talk. About games we feel people just talk about. We should actually have a game talk on we should pick like an old game that we all thought was good, and just play it again and see if it holds up. Like uh, how I okay. played Chrono Trigger. Okay, okay. <laughs> Did you replay Chrono Trigger? I was replaying Chrono Trigger. Wait, yeah. when? Uh, before I did my top three episode with Chris on NPC Talk. Yo, you actually went back and replayed it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, at least I started. I started replaying it. Because like, I, I can't was... handle Gato the cat robot thing. <laughs> no, I, I was I was conflicted. Like you know, because in my memory. When he asked me, like, what's your top three game? I was like, oh, easy, Chrono Trigger is my top game or something like that. At least top three. But then I wanted, I, I wasn't sure. 
So I went back and replayed it, and it was definitely fun, and it was definitely nostalgic, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Top- it, it didn't do it for me anymore. You know. So I, if you had I, asked I, me like twenty years fix. ago, I need then, my fix. Yeah. You know. So I think you like when we talk about top games or best games or something, you have to consider it within like eras or epochs. Yeah. Okay, not epochs, but like eras. Right, like uh, say, like what is the best game of the Super Nintendo generation? I think that's a very fair question, and you can probably come up with better answers for that. But when you're comparing be... across like five, six generations of consoles, it's really hard. I think it should be epochs of your life, mm. not, not. But that, that's different. Well, that's a different question, then, though, right? That that's which it games is. were best for you versus which games were best for a particular generation of consoles. But isn't best game always a subjective thing? No. <laughs> Which is what that's it. Everyone just uh, says it dep- I think it depends on the question you're asking. If you're talking about which which do you consider were the best games that you've played in your life, right? Uh-huh. We can talk about oh, during elementary school years, this was my favorite game. Middle school, this yeah. was my favorite. Game. I, I feel like but that's if you're what... talking about like what was the best game, what were the best games plural, uh-huh. right? For the Super Nintendo, I think you can come up with a good with a good list that has some sort of criteria that you're judging based on okay i don't okay. think best games can ever be objective well i'm not saying that they're objective but i'm saying they're less subjective than the other the, than the former question that i was proposing sure Dif- one is definitely based on your personal experiences the other you're trying to sort of distance yourself a little bit and compare it against against its crowd uh among that generation so it, i think that, that's a bit fairer right it basically de- depends on the definition of best Sure, exactly. You, you'd have to come up with some criteria. Right? I guess which, it depends on what you, what you think is more interesting question. Well, I, I think I, for me, both is interesting. But, yeah, it yeah. depends on the medium. Fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, if you were going to personal, then we'd have to talk about one for each, for each person, right? Yeah. Whereas I uh, think if you have a group discussion, it's, I think it's, um, it's more interesting to talk about a console generation. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Right. I think a NPC talk definitely is geared towards a personal but you're right like for a game talk we can definitely talk about object yeah. like try to though make it, it is though uh, so i mean that it's it is it is i think more possible for you to do something that's less subjective in that sense but it would definitely be hard for me personally because i have definitely not played enough games for every console to have a fair opinion mm. i mean you know? i don't think i have so, either so i i was i was just saying for the sake of science, right? If you were to want to ask such a question, like what were the best games for Super Nintendo? What were the best games for PlayStation 2? Like I think there is some you know, some sense of less subjective way in which you can do that. Of course it's subjective because you're going to have humans grading it, but it's still better than what is your personal favorite game, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh Game websites do this every year where they try to be somewhat objective. Right. And it tends to end up being mostly what was the most uh, influential games of the year and what were the most impressive games as right. as, as yeah. objective as you can be so, without so, being like, yeah, even though those are like the most impressive games, this right. is my favorite. This weird, like, out of, 
out of the mainstream kind of game, yeah. whatever. So I think right. if you come up with some criteria like that, like most impressive or most influential or most uh, beautiful, let's say, or uh, best narrative or something, you, you can you, you can come up with some good choices. I think maybe not like down to like a single game, but you can. I think you can come up with like a top three, top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Oh, Skype just skipped for me. Nothing is black and white. Everything <laughs> is great. Everything Shades gray. of gray. And definitely more than 50. I don't understand oh, what wow. the reference means. You're too young, Austin. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> if, if you say so, Chris. Game talk rated something. I, I don't know. I haven't read, I haven't read that. <laughs> sure you haven't. I'm just kidding. Rated R for unrated. <laughs> that's, that's how that works, right? Not how it works. But what? Speaking of Game talk. You guys gotta get on Spec Ops the line. Okay, yes. so let, let's. So Chris, I know has it. Yep. And I have it. So let's just agree. Spec Ops is the next game. Yep. Um, Ben, how long did it take you again? It took me around. Okay, so it it you should. This is padded, right? But I think I finished my first playthrough in eight hours. I think. Okay. Uh, so but that's hour, mind yeah. you, that's that's me doing. Trying to do like achievements and stuff too. Meanwhile, um, and it was on the normal, the default normal difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm 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 definitely not the best like gamer and stuff, especially since I'm like distracted by achievements and whatever. Yeah, but I, I know, will say I know, that ben, it was not performance on Battlefield Four. Come on, <laughs> it was not particularly easy. Okay, um, I would rate it. You know, it's like a. It's like between it's like a like a silver or gold on a Mass Effect three multiplayer scale, I think. Okay. Like silver. Let's say it's it's a good. It's definitely a silver. Maybe maybe a little higher, somewhere in between a silver and gold, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm playing the uh, the higher difficulty right now, which is called a suicide. I think. Uh, I think I'll just play normal. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, how no, long, I... how long do you say? How many hours do you have clocked? Right now. Yeah, I have including your current run, including just yeah. whatever. Okay. Well, so right now I'm at fourteen, but I'm I'm almost done with my second playthrough with the higher difficulty. Okay, so I can assume maybe five six hours. Yeah, I think I think six hours is a is definitely a good estimate. Cool. Yeah, that's if you know. can do it if you can do it faster than six just on your first try. Um, Speed like, run. Wow. Yeah, like wow. I guess I, I guess I'm not very good. Um, there is like this one particular part where I definitely got like died. Of, okay, two parts where I definitely died more often than I should have because I was trying to use like particular weapons and stuff. Um, but yeah, if 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 you guys aren't gonna be hunting for achievements and stuff, I think it'll be a lot a lot easier and straightforward. Right, and I don't want to just plow through a game either, so. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the game will pace you too because it's uh the gameplay is interspliced with. It's got uh, story. Yeah, it, it's definitely narrative driven. It's cool. it is a narrative driven third person cover based shooter. Ugh, I don't want to play that. Um, I just want to shoot things just with <laughs> with some um not, like RPG not, elements. No, no, no. It's not, <laughs> not, not a Mass Effect. But I need to warn you that it's not for the faint of heart. I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 And. Not because of its like graphic nature. I don't think it's because it's particularly graphic. No, but because of its um, 
It's like uh, psychologically graphic. Right. Um, uh, and there are choices. So just keep that in mind. Um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Not uh, Okay, I'll, I'll stop there. That, that's as yeah, you should stop there, I think. Because, uh, yeah. Do you know anything about the game, Chris? No. Because I know Austin has, like, watched some videos and stuff. Yeah, I don't like, know anything, so I think as... Uh, 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 which, what'd you say? A fool of a chow. What? <laughs> what? What? Anyways. Okay, Um, I have to head out. Okay. But um, Spec Ops Online. Um, We should no, do... So, so what I hear is we're playing Goat Simulator for the next game talk, right? <laughs> I, I don't mind. Um, we feel like that we should play do something like that at one point just to sure. just try something. Silly. Okay, so I was I was gonna say I think we should recommend one more game before the end of the sale just because we're you know that's true that's true. Um, Go Simulator it's two fifty right now. Go Simulator. Go Simulator is two fifty. Um, uh, also, <laughs> I am I am bread is four forty. That's also a hilariously. Wait, Funny goat game. goat MMO simulator? What? Yeah, there's oh, a there's God. a um there's one you can play with your friends. Uh, um I would like to throw my two cents recommendation yeah. to uh Battle Block Theater. Battle Block mm, uh, I know that one. Yeah. Battle it's Block. by the creators of uh Castle Crashers. Oh, oh yeah, I can see the art. And they it the game is just like a really silly platformer. Um it's just really silly. <laughs> okay. How many people can play it? it two people for the adventure. Okay. Uh, my oh. hey, Spec Ops the line also has a co-op mode. Oh, wait, does it really? Yeah, and there's also a multiplayer. I don't know if anyone's uh, playing no, on it. No, no one wants to play multiplayer. <laughs> we should yeah, try but, the co-op. But there is a co-op mode. Um, cool. I don't know whether it's only two or three players or whatever, but um, Let me check. But uh, something we can look at after you guys finish the main campaign. Yeah. Uh, okay, so hold on. We have Spec Ops is the definitive next one. Yep. Um, you recommended Battle Block, which if it's $2, I don't mind. No, Battle Block Theater right now is three seventy four. dollars Oh, that's mm. still fine. That's, that's like less than a cup of coffee. Oh, wait. We can do like the co-op pack, which makes it a little less. I already um, have it. Oh, it's a two-pack, right? Yeah, two pack for six twenty four. So Austin, if you want to yeah. buy it together, we can do that. Yeah, that don't yeah, that mean it's good. like three ten, three twelve for each of us. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so I still want to play her story. Her story. Her it story. is three sixty or three fifty nine. Three fifty nine. So her story is essentially, it's an interesting new take on a game. Or like what a game means. Um, it'll definitely kind of have that discussion of what is it a game or not? A, well, I don't think it'll. Is have it a that. game book? Is it a visual game book? What no, the it's not heck? A it's, so it's essentially there's a mystery, right? Um, oh, sweet! And everything what? is told in the perspective of a woman giving her testimonial on the events of the of what happened. But the way it works is you have a essentially is like a search query that you can do. So you look up words, tags for videos, and then it'll pull up videos that have that tag on it. And so you basically watch clips. Clips obviously have multiple tags, and you're trying to piece together what actually happened by just typing in whatever into your query and looking for videos. So it's kind of like 
so you guys have both played Sherlock or variations of Sherlock, the board game at this point. Mm-hmm. It's basically that as a video game format. It's yep. the same idea of exploring and trying to solve what's happening. And you visit, instead of locations, you visit video clips. That that sounds good to me. I'm, uh, I'm perfectly fine, especially since um, I, I suggested Spec Ops um, and then... Uh, Chris suggested Battle Block Theater, and if you want to suggest her story, I think that's perfectly good. Perfect. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether we also sim- want to consider the Goat Simulator. If that's still on the table, maybe we can uh, leave that in our minds a little bit, see whether that feels worth it. Let me but see. That is the the least in price compared to these. It's seventy five percent off. I'm I'm okay with both her story and Goat Simulator. Okay. So, and then, okay, so then I'm okay with that too. And Austin, we can talk about getting a two pack for a battle block. Yeah. What is Goat Z? I I don't know. I I have to, I'm going to go now. Uh, I'll be back in like five minutes or so. Um, uh, Uh, Okay. You want to do or? That was a good good first talk, I think. Yeah. Well, it's all good. I will not be playing playing Austin. Okay, I'll probably go to bed then. I will be watching, and then there were none. The BBC series based on Agatha Christie's novel. All right. Uh, anyway. So just to make sure, I'm putting Goat Sim in my card now. Or do we want to keep talking about it? In which case, what is Goat Z? It's <laughs> looks like uh, okay. I think it's a zombie version of the Goat. Okay, Sim. I won't bother with Goat Simulator yet. The sale goes to the fourth at least, so uh, I will put Battle Block. So, so Ben, I'll put Battle Block in mine. Uh. Okay. Well, can we talk about it in, in like two minutes or something? I'll be right back. Okay. Fine. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see right. you guys later. No. Bye. Next time on Game Talk. When are when are we gonna do it next time? Do or do we want to set a schedule like thing? Like how often do we want to? Um. Just, just play it by year. Like yeah, I think, I think finish the game by year for now. I think it'll take me like mm, two weeks to beat. Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, I'll, I don't I'll want be it to be like a this weekend. Cause... Yeah, I don't want it to be too like time constraining either. Like you know, like if you don't get to it, that's perfectly fine. We can yeah. just do it later. Yeah, I'll probably play it Friday and Saturday and be done with it by then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, I'll see you guys in a bit. Later. Right, see ya. Bye, Ben. Uh, goat Z's only a dollar twenty-five though. <laughs> but it's not a goat sim. Oh my gosh, you're right. It is like zombie ghosts. <laughs> zombie ghosts. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, random games we can definitely try. Okay, let me get her story right now. <laughs> yeah, her story. I'm also buying Talos Principle just to have it. Oh, uh, what percent is it off? Talos Principle? Uh-huh. I think it's only, like, 60 or something. It's 75. <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, like, they charge $40 for this game. But then again, it's still, like, a... It's supposed to be as hefty as Portal if not more hefty, which I think is really interesting and could be worth playing. So many good games out there. Talos Principle got really good reviews. Yeah, I I thought it was an indie game. Excuse me. I thought it was an indie game. I looked at it and I was like, no, this is like super legitimate. Let me see. It is a decently large production. No, it's $10 right now. I don't think it'll get much cheaper. Oh man. Oh man. Okay, I'll think about that one. Um, okay, I'm gonna head out. Let me know what you guys talk about for Goat Simulator. I'm down either way. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll figure it out as we go.
I mean, still last to Johnny Fourth, so it's not like we have to decide now either. Right. Plenty of time. Oh wait, her story. Oh, I already spec ops. Okay. Huh? All right. Have a good night, man. Alrighty. Have a good night. All right. That concludes our first episode of NPC Game Club. My name is Inkernaut, and you're listening to episode 32 of NPC Talk. And uh, yeah, for tonight, guys, we are out.